0: We're going to continue finish up our uh, lesson today concerning uh, the English Bible, how we got it. And if you remember, the reason why we entered into this study was, well, first of all, we're going through Galatians. And the reason why we entered into this study was is Paul was dealing with in his time people who were saying that in order for you to be accepted by God, in order for you to be truly saved, be accepted by Him, you had to meet certain standards. And for them back then, it, the Judaizers, it was, you know, you had to keep certain festivals and new moons and you had to eat a certain way and you had to be mostly circumcised if you were a male. Nothing has changed because even today there are those Christians who will say to you, in order for you to be accepted by God, you gotta, you got to dress a certain way, you got to come to church dressed a certain way, And you've got to carry a certain Bible. And specifically, in some of the more conservative groups, even in our circle of churches, the issue is is that you carry a King James Bible. That's the Bible. In fact, it's interesting. It's even evolved over the last ten years. I remember when I went to Canada and pastored. I knew that there were folks who held to the King James Bible. But then when I came back from Canada and I was looking, a lot of the groups, even one group that I had considered going to be a missionary with, had embraced a viewpoint, a doctrine called the Doctrine of Preservation. And I believe in the Doctrine of Preservation that God preserves his word. But they had expanded it now to basically believe the Doctrine of Preservation was as God was preserving the King James Bible for the English-speaking people. Now that was, a—I mean, just in five years that jump had taken place. And so now people, I mean, there there are Christians, and you maybe even know some, who believe that the King James Bible is the only Bible for the English-speaking people. So th- that's really the issue is, okay, how do you deal with that? And maybe you even thought that. In fact, a lot of you last week, when we, a couple weeks ago when we did this lesson, we had ice last week, felt that the King James was actually the first English translation, and it showed you that it wasn't. In fact, most of the words used in the King James were actually words that William Tyndale used in his translation so what we're going to see now is we're going to continue and we're going to finish up this discussion with the King James and then we're going to talk about modern translations and then we're going to talk about the implications and then we're going to finish up with a Q&A if you have some questions concerning this whole Bible issue we'll, uh, we'll finish up with that so let's, let's kind of fast forward here we're not going to go over what we did but I do want to stop with one slide that we had when we ended last week First thing I want you to notice is this. The last point that we, we went over before we closed our discussion last week was concerning the King James. And I pointed out that the King James, which it was translated in 1611, was then revised in 1629. It was again revised in 1638. And again revised in 1653, 1701, 17... Sixty-two and seventeen sixty-nine. So the King James Bible, that a lot of you give to people today, or you know that the Gideons give out and so forth, is the seventeen sixty-nine revision. So why do you think? Again, let me just maybe you remember from last time. Why do you think it had to be revised? Why wasn't it just okay to have the sixteen eleven? Why do you think it had to be revised? Okay, so people could understand it during their time, is what Gene said. Anybody else? Why do you think? Really, a couple of reasons why. Number one, language changes. Language changes. And number two, more texts are found to help them to understand exactly what the text is saying. So I'm going to show you right now three different verses. Three, the same verse in three different versions. The first slide I'm going to show you is the 1611. And you can tell me if you can read it. The next verse I'm going to show you is the 1769 revision. And then I'm going to show you the New King James, which is the 1984 revision that we have in our pews. So I want you to notice the difference. And as I show you the difference, we'll talk about why it was changed. Here is the 1611. Can you read that? Kind of. Here's what you're going to notice here. First of all, look at the use for V. They're using the letter what? U. Notice they're adding another E on the word we. Look under, when it's dead in sins, notice we don't spell it that way anymore. We drop the, the extra N, the E, and notice now when they use the letter U, which letter are they using for you? The V. And, and so, now this is just one verse. There are actually some verses you really can't read. I just chose this verse to make some distinct distinctions here. Now, let's go to the six, 1769 revision. This is the one that we have in the King James today. And this is pretty much, you can read this one. Quickened is a word. I want you to notice quickened was used in the other, it was used, and then the word ye, the personal pronouns ye and thou and thee. All right, now this is the 1984 revision. Now, the difference there you're going to see is the personal pronouns have changed. Made us alive is the same word quickened, although how many, how many of you use that word today, quickened, in your vocabulary? You don't. So, alright, let's, let's look at some obvious differences between the verses. Obviously, between 1611 and 1769, something changed. What changed more specifically? The alphabet. Do you notice that? The U's and the V's are reversed. Let me go back. See, this is the 1769 revision. This is the 1611. So you see the alphabet changed in that period of time. Over 150 years, the alphabet changed. The other thing you're going to see is is even the spelling of some of the words changed. Now, then when you come over here between the 1769 revision and then the 1984 revision, which is 124 years, What changed is the use of the personal pronouns. What is used for a personal pronoun? We don't use the word thee or thou or ye. We use you, they, us, you know, different things like that. Also, the word quickened, we don't use that in our language anymore. We use what it means, made alive. So you see, the reason for... A new translation is what? Because language what? Evolves. Language changes. All right? The English language changes. All right, so let's go on now. Let's talk about modern translations. First thing I want you to know about modern translations, because, okay, the big argument is, why do we need to have a modern translation? Well, modern translations, and that would be like the NIV, New King James, Revised Standard Version, New Revised Standard Version, The New Living Translation, Contemporary English Version. I mean, we can go on with how many... There's numerous numbers of uh, versions that are out there. Modern translations are based on more manuscripts. They're based on more manuscripts. Now, what do you mean by that? For instance, let me give you an example. The translators of the 1611 King James, the original translators of the King James, used Greek and Hebrew manuscripts from the 12th and 13th centuries. So when they were using Hebrew and Greek manuscripts, they were actually from the 12th and 13th century. One of the primary ones they used was Erasmus, Greek New Testament. Remember Erasmus? I told you about him. Remember when he could not find a text that showed the verses that were in his Latin Vulgate? What he did was he translated the Vulgate back into the Greek. So that was a primary text that was used by these translators. Now, today, Bible translators have access to translations or texts from the 3rd and 4th centuries and they have access to Hebrew texts, so the Old Testament, from the time of Jesus and even before. So today, when you look at a modern translation, it actually has, it's translating from texts that are a lot older than the texts that were used by the 1611. Does everybody understand me? Now, Let's talk, now when we talk about modern translations, everybody wants to lump them into the same thing, but there are actually different types of translations, and we're going to spend some time talking about it here right now. There are three types of modern translations. Precise, that is word for word. Then there's the dynamic equivalent, that is thought for thought. It's it's, it's like a cross between, actually it's a cross between a paraphrase. Does everybody understand what a paraphrase is? That's like you saying it in your own words. So a dynamic equivalent is, is, is kind of in between a paraphrase and a precise translation to give you the thought that is being conveyed there precisely. So let me tell you what, what, what we have as far as what are precise translations. So you may, may want to write this down in the margin of your notes, and I'll tell you what are precise translations. First of all, the King James, obviously, is a precise translation. The New King James is a precise translation, so NKJV, alright? The New American Standard is a precise translation. In fact, let me just go ahead and say this about the New American Standard, it is the most precise Greek translation of all the translations everybody understand me? So if you really want to know what the Greek text says, get a New American Standard Bible. That's a great great Bible. Here's another one. The English Standard Version, ESV. It's becoming a very popular version now. It is a precise translation. The Revised Standard Version, RSV, is a precise translation. So those are all precise translations. Now you're saying... What about the NIV? Well, we'll get there. Just hold on a second. Now, paraphrase. One of the most popular paraphrases that happened in the 70s that everybody remembers was the what? Anybody know what was the most popular paraphrase during the 70s? The Living Bible. How many of you know the Living Bible? By, written by Ken Taylor. And he wrote it. Why did he write it? Ken Taylor wrote the Living Bible to put the Bible in a, in a form so that his children could understand it. So his children could understand it. That was the Living Bible. There's another one that's very popular right now. It's called The Message. How many of you have read or heard about The Message? Written by Eugene Peterson. It's a very popular one now. During the 1940s and 50s, there was another uh, paraphrase that was very popular among especially pastors at that time, even conservative pastors, and it was the J.B. Phillips paraphrase. Phillips Translation. So those are the paraphrases. Now here's the thing. Paraphrases are good to read because it gives you an understanding of what somebody else saw there, but it's not a precise, it's not really an accurate translation of what is written there as far as what the Greek and the Hebrew texts are say. Alright, does everybody understand me? So you don't want to, you know, it's okay to have one and do you know do your devotions and stuff out of it, but it really needs to be a complement to another Bible. You understand? Now let's talk about dynamic equivalent. That is the NIV. The NIV is a dynamic equivalent. And the key thing about a dynamic equivalent is is they want to convey the thought so that you understand it when reading it. Because sometimes when you have word for word it can be kind of wooden when you read it. It can be kind of hard to read. And so their, their point in making the NIV was so that you could read it without any hassles. But yet understand precisely what it's saying. Uh, The contemporary English version is another dynamic equivalent version. So you see the three versions. There are three types of English Bibles today. Everybody see that? So you say, which one do we use? I think you're okay with any of the precise translations. Now here at the church, we use the New King James. You'll see that in the pews. That's what I preach from, you know you're okay with that. You're okay with an NIV. You're okay with a contemporary English version. You're okay with them. All right? Uh, I would say with the paraphrase, you know, you want to use that as a compliment to another version. You understand? To help you to understand what, what the other version is saying. So we see that with modern translations. Now, let me just make this point about the New King James. The New King James is a revision of the 1769 edition of the King James. The New King James is the revision of the 1769 revision. And one of the primary things that they did is they wanted to continue in the tradition of the King James, their majority text, and what they're doing is they're revising it. Why? They're updating the language, so the personal pronouns, Now, let me just stop for a moment here. Let me just go ahead and tell you. One of the arguments that you'll hear people say about not using the New King James is is because they're not being reverent anymore because they're not using thee and thou and ye, those pronouns. You're removing the reverence from the Bible. And you know what? When you talk about those pronouns, thee and thou, yeah, that sounds very reverent today, does it not? Now, here's the problem with that argument. In 1769 and in 1611, those were not reverential terms. So if I say to Bruce, ye, Bruce, are an eagle fan," that's the same thing as me saying, you, Bruce, are an eagle's fan. I was not showing reverence to Bruce with that term. I was just using what? Everyday language. What has happened, though, is in our church culture... The language of the King James has become reverential, and so we use that as an argument to say we shouldn't have modern translations. But let's get back. What's the purpose of translation? To get the Bible into the language of what? Everyday people. Everyday people. So this, the New King James is a revision of the 1768, 1769 revision. Now, here's what's going to happen. If the Lord tarries and he doesn't come back, Another hundred years from now, is language going to change? Could, it, could the alphabet possibly change? Hey, you want to know the, one of the biggest things that's changing the alphabet right now? What is it? Texting. Because when you text, the kids, do they put all the alphabet in there? No. Do you understand what I'm saying? Technology is going to, again, change how words are written and how they're seen. But guess what? A hundred years from now, I can almost guarantee it, there are going to be Christians who are going to say, we need to stand on the new King James, or the NIV. Why? Well, I'll give you the implication of that in a moment. But the point I want you to see is, is the issue is getting the Bible, in, it, in the text, the Hebrew and Greek text, and even the Aramaic, into your hands so that you understand it right now. So let's talk about the implications. Here's the first one. KJV only, King James only people, used similar arguments as those who argued for the Vulgate. Remember what I told you? When I told you about when they were translating the English back into the English Bible, the main reason why the English Bible, it's not that they didn't want the English Bibles to take place, it's that they felt that there was one text that was superior and that the superior text was what? The Vulgate. And so therefore everything else was inferior. Except the Vulgate. And remember now, when Jerome translated the Vulgate, were there already other texts around there at that time? Yes. Why did he translate the Vulgate? To put the Bible in the language of the everyday people at that time. And what was their everyday language at that time? Latin. Is Latin the everyday language today? No. When the King James translators translated the 1611... What were they doing? They wanted to translate a precise translation in what? The language of everyday people at the time. Do we speak like that now? No. Has language changed? Yes. So the premise was always the same, to get the Bible in the, in the hands of people in the everyday language that they have. But here's the problem. The same arguments that were used to keep, say, to say that we shouldn't have an English translation, we should stick to the Vulgate, are the same arguments that people who say King James only today are using. They're the same arguments, aren't they? I mean, if you think about it, they are. Let's go on. Here's the reason why. There is a tendency to reject newer translations because of preferences. Not because of what's right or what's wrong. It's more about preferences than it is about what's right or what's wrong. See, the issue comes down to what you prefer, not so much what's right. So, for instance, if you use the King James Bible, and that's the... Well, let me just stop. I won't pick on a King James person. I'll pick on me. This happens a lot. I use and study the New King James Bible a lot. So I know what the New King James says. In fact, I, I know what my Bible... I have I have two Bibles. I have this Bible that I use for the morning service, because it's nice. And then I have a real beat-up one that's the same one, but it's beat-up. The cover's fallen off of it. And they're both the same. The verses are on the same page and everything. And I know exactly where verses are because I use my Bible. Now, George comes to visit you, and you ask me a Bible question, and, and I say, well, let me see your Bible. And you give me an NIV or even if you give me a New King James but it isn't my exact type, I I have a problem finding what I want to find in it because I'm used to my Bible. So what happens is, is that's the same thing. If you're used to using the King James or the New King James, or even if you're used to using an NIV, you get to the place where your preference trumps everything else. You understand what I'm saying? Your preference trumps everything else. In fact, you get to the place where you think everybody else should fall in line with what you think about that issue. You know what I'm saying? But here's the problem. The issue isn't your preference. The issue is getting the Bible in the hands of people so that they understand it. So I'll give you an example. I already shared this with you. It shows up. We came back from the Super Bowl the next week. Lisa's talking to a group of ladies over here girls, young girls, and they're interested got questions about it. we give them a Bible. Halfway through the discussion, it's pretty loose at the chill zone. One of the girls comes downstairs. I'm sitting there with Brad. We're watching everybody doing their thing. girl walks over and she says to me, she's all excited. She said, I read a page out of this. Wow, that's great. She said, I've been given other Bibles before, but I couldn't read them. What Bibles do you think she was given? Yeah, you know, the old... Kid, the King James Version. Why? Because, first of all, they're the cheapest Bibles you can buy. You understand? When you go to a store, it's the cheapest version. And so here she was. She was given a version, she could, and she said she could read a page out of it. So I said, now, here's where you want to begin reading. So I took her to the Gospels. I said, the Bible's a book of books, not just like a regular book where you start from the beginning. You start here, and I want you to start with Jesus, and then work your way through it. So we gave her a Bible reading guide after that. But here's my point. Someone would say, well, what she needs to read is the King James Version. It was good enough for me. should be good enough for them. Problem. How many of you will recognize that the education system has changed since you went to school? Right? Let me just say this. You know that the King James Version is a 13th grade reading level. What does that mean? I thought it was written on an everyday... Did people have 13th grade level? No. When you read it, you have to have a little bit more education to understand it because language has evolved. And people today read on what level? When you pick up a Sports Illustrated or a hunting magazine or Ladies, a Good Housekeeping or something, what level is is stuff written on today? Eighth grade, Bruce said. It's an eighth grade reading level. So I want you to understand... you know, you're using a version that's a 13th grade level, one year college. So when you insist that people use that, if it was good enough for you. When you insist that, you're actually showing your preference. Now another one, a statement that was made is, "Well, it's easier to ch- to memorize." No, it isn't. Not for the younger people, it isn't. We're seeing that already too. The King James version is not necessarily. It's, if they don't understand it, they have a hard time memorizing it. Here's the thing. Memorization is easier for young people, period. Does everybody understand me? So if you give them an NIV, they're going to be able to memorize it just as well as memorizing the King James because they memorize everything easier. It's us old folks who have a hard time memorizing things. You know, We can't even remember. I mean, Lori sends me with a grocery list. I can't even remember the look at it. You know, Or if I do look at it, not get everything that's on there. So there's a tendency to reject newer translations because of preferences. Here's the other thing. The history of the English Bible shows a desire for a Bible in the language of the people. You understand, from the very beginning, going all the way back about 900 A.D., there, that's 700 years before the King James Version. When you go all the way back in its history, all the way back to about 900 AD, there was a desire to get the Bible in the language of what? The people at that time. And and, and that's the issue, is to get the Bible because the the power, the spiritual power, the spiritual life for you is found where? In God's Word. Alright? In God's Word. Now, here's the other thing. Language is fluid, not constant. You understand what I mean by that? Language is fluid, not constant. Meaning, language changes. Its form changes. It's not constant. You've even seen that over the last ten years about language. Language has changed. Terms that were used 10 years ago mean something completely different. There are terms now that people don't even know what, I mean, you talk to somebody today, you talk to your young person, and you ask them, hey, do you know what an LP is? They're thinking what? They're thinking propane. You're thinking 33 RPMs or 45s. What is that, folks? What? A vinyl record? Yes. They don't even know what that is. Talk to them about an A track They don't know what an A track is. Do we use the term A track anymore? No. Do you see how language has changed? And it's changing. Language is fluid, not constant. So because of that, listen, because of that, when we try to translate what those Hebrew and Greek Aramaic texts are saying, Of course, our words are going to be changing as well to reflect what it's saying. All right, so the issue is getting or giving a translation in the language of the day. This is the bottom line issue. If you want people to have the Word of God, the issue is getting or getting a translation in the language of the day. Does everybody understand me? That's the issue. All right, so that's the end of my discussion. Let's have Q&A now. Yeah, Gene. The problem with people is we tend to like our preferences more. Well, yeah, okay, that is selfish. Now, here's the reason why. Why it's selfish is because we get inward focus rather than outward focus. Church becomes what we want it to be rather than helping out others or reaching others. So you notice... Church has changed. Even even this church, church has changed. Well just just take my nine eight, eight years here. Nine years here. When I first came here and spoke here nine years ago, I wore a suit. Did you know what, do you know what I'm saying? I wore a suit. It's changed. So form changes. Yes, they're scared of change. Yeah, and most of them and I think here's the thing that's the key thing there is your pastor helping you to understand he'll know which ones are accurate and when and like I showed you I've already mentioned several to you that are accurate they are good versions now there are some bad ones out there I didn't mention any of those to you but if you have a question about it ask your pastor you know can I be honest with you if you're going to listen to guys on the radio there are three primary versions or if you're going to read Christian books, three primary versions, four primary versions that you're going to find people using, whether they're on the radio or they're writing books. Here's what they use. You're going to see them using the New King James. You're going to see them using the New American Standard. You're going to see them using the NIV. And you're going to see them now, you're going to hear a lot of them using the English Standard version. Now, every once in a while you'll hear one of them refer to what the message says because they want to convey the idea of what the message is saying. But they're going to be primarily those four versions. And you'll hear them say, I'm speak." Let me share to you what the New King James says. Or let me share with you what the translators of the NIV say. And so you can, those four versions, you can, those are pro- the primary ones you're going to see today in popular Christianity as far as what's in the media. So you can stick with that. Very rarely will you hear a guy use the King James, and they usually use the King James to convey a word. Every once in a while you'll hear somebody say what the King James says to, again, convey the idea of what the text is saying. So I don't think you need to, you know, a lot of you here, how many of you are using a King James? Okay, that's fine. How many of you are using a New King James? That's good. How many of you have an NIV? All right, that's good. How many of you have an English Standard Version? Okay, I'm not surprised by that. How many of you have a New American Standard? Okay, Lori and I do. You now here's the point. I don't think that's going to be an issue with us, because we're going to have one of those versions here, and everybody's going to understand what's going on. So it's really Gene, the issue comes down to it comes down to preferences. I actually think there's one thing something more sinister. Because I do think we believe that the power for salvation is through the Word. The communication of the Word of God. And I actually think it's actually maybe the enemy trying to enslave people to a version they can't read because he knows that the power is in what? God's Word. So when you try to keep people to a version that they can't read, and they're not going to read it, there's no power there for their life. God's not going to speak to them because God speaks to us through His what? His Word. Word. So I actually think it's something deeper than that. I also know that there's another thing, and I shared this with you before. I got an independent Baptist publication one time. It's about probably, oh, probably seven years ago I got the publication. And in it, there was a Q&A section, and the person was asking the question of the writer, the editor of this publication, and the question was, is it okay to use other versions so that I can understand my King James Bible? And the guy was basically saying, no, that if you don't understand something in your King James Bible, you need to wait for your pastor to explain it from the pulpit, meaning in the sermon. And if he never gets to that verse, don't worry about it. Now, what's the issue there? Not just preference, it's something else, though. Who are you reliant upon for you to understand that word? Yeah, the pastor. It's it's medieval Roman Catholicism again. It's going back to the Vulgate. So you think about the English people, they can't understand the Latin, but you've got to ha- have somebody who's a scholar. Remember, remember the in fact, here's the, it's the point I made. The church, this is back when Wycliffe did it, the church was concerned about the effect of Bible reading upon uneducated laity. It was best left for the eyes of educated clergy to understand. That was the viewpoint back in the 1300s. So you got the same viewpoint being expressed today by people saying that you need to stick with the King James, and if you don't understand it, don't worry about it. Just wait for what your pastor says about it. There's a problem with that. Because one of the things we believe as believers in this church is the what? The priesthood of believers. That every one of you is a what? A priest before God. You understand? And so therefore you have the ability to understand the Scripture as the Holy Spirit shows it to you. So, Gene, so yeah, it's preference, but I also think there's a control issue there. And... Tradition falls in there where traditions are more important than what's really right. Does that answer your question? Anybody else with a question? Yeah, Lori. Yes. And that's why you can find sometimes if you go to, and I think Ollie's has this sometimes, you can find parallel Bibles. How many you know what a parallel Bible is? A parallel Bible is where you have one version or three different versions on the same page together. So when you open it up, you open the Genesis Genesis chapter 1, you'll have Genesis 1 in the King, New King James, Genesis 1 in the NIV, and Genesis in another translation. And you'll have them together so you can read it together so that you can grasp it as you're studying it and understanding. And that's a very useful tool. The Amplified is, the problem with the Amplified is, is that the, there is one problem with the Amplified. It is, a, it is somebody's work to help you. Again, it's like a paraphrase. And But then some people grab a hold of that and it's like, the, the issue is, is that you're always going to have people that are going to say that their version is the best version. And so I've had that happen. I've had that happen in the last church we were in where one gentleman used the Amplified and was like, he understood better than anybody what it was saying because the Amplified said that. Well, there's a problem with that. It's just one man's work. Stick with the precise translations. If you want to know what it says, a precise translation will tell you. Not what somebody so what the Amplified does is, okay, so if we go back to our verse, let's go back to the New King James Version here. So the Amplified would look at that and say, trespasses. And then the Amplified would go, trespasses, and then it would say, Sins, offenses against God. And, and it would explain out that word in it would give you, it would add to it to explain out what that word is saying you know, that's a guy trying to explain a word except he's putting it right in the text. That doesn't mean it's an accurate translation because the word may have a deeper meaning than what he's saying. You understand? So that, that's the point I'm making there. So they're, they're good. Anybody else with a question? We've got room for one more question. Now here's what I want to say to you as we end this lesson. You want to give somebody a Bible. Christians give people Bibles, especially young people, Bibles. Let me just go ahead and say this to you. I'm going to recommend three versions to you. Alright? I'm going to recommend that you either give them a New King James, an NIV, or an English Standard version. And that's an NKJV, New King James, a ESV, which is the English Standard version, or an NIV. I'm also going to recommend that you just don't give them a Bible with just a text. I would recommend that you give them a study Bible. So if you're going to give them a Bible, give them, give them something there with notes so they understand what they're reading. So get them a study Bible. Because here's the thing, if you're going to make the investment to give them a Bible, make the investment. You understand? Go, go the extra step and give them something that they can read and have some notes that they'll understand. Does everybody understand? Okay alright let's close our time of prayer and we'll get ready for the morning worship service